Hey friends, welcome back to With a Splash of Jesus. I'm your host, Jordan. We are back for another great conversation. This week, we have Kate Berkey. Kate Berkey is an author and freelance writer living in Chicago's Little India neighborhood. She is passionate about helping people, especially women, discover the heart of the Father and live courageously because of who He is and who He says they are. She and her co-author recently published their first book, A Place Called Braverly, A Dare to Live Courageously, Dream Boldly, and Influence Bravery. Kate is all about family and deeply desires to help others find belonging in the family of the kingdom of God. More than anything else, she longs to walk women home to the heart of the Father, their creator and sustainer. Kate is a lover of being in nature with her husband, running on Lakefront Trail, and gathering dear friends around the table. Kate is my cousin and actually Nick, our editor's little sister. And so guys, I'm really excited for you guys to hear all about Kate's book and her journey on how she got here. So here's this week's conversation with Kate Berkey. All right, friends, we are here with Kate Berkey. So Kate is actually the sister of Nick Berkey, who is our editor, who also happens to be my cousin. And guys, we're going to talk about Kate's book today, and I am so excited. So let's get started. Kate, what are you currently reading in the Bible? First of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Second of all, um, I am currently, I don't know, I'm jumping around a lot, but I keep going back into Psalms. I mean, there's just so much in there, but just in the current season that I find myself in, Psalm is just where my heart is gravitating towards so much these days. What is the Lord speaking to you in that? So I keep going back to Psalm 37 and there's so much in that Psalm, but one of the verses just talks about take delight in the Lord and he'll give you desires of your heart, right? So many of us know that verse, but there's just something about like that promise of like, hey, if you delight in me in this relationship, like, I care about the desires of your heart and I want to give you those desires. And so he just keeps bringing me back to just the promises that he gives us. And so I think he's just using Psalm 37 to, to remind me of those promises. I love when I get to ask author this question. So what is on your nightstand? I love this question because my brain was like, there's actually a lot of books on my nightstand that I'm not even reading. The one book that is on my nightstand that I'm actually reading, I'm actually rereading soundtracks. It's a book by John Acuff, and it is just how to like rewire your brain, essentially, and just trade those old soundtracks that just spout out lies or just spout out insecurities and trade them for actually helpful and kind thoughts and soundtracks. So it's my like third or fourth time reading it, and I love it. He's also a great author. He's a really great author. Reading it for, you know, a, I think you said third time. What new thing have you taken out of that? Sorry, I'm kind of throwing oh you God. for a loop for that question. No, no, that's totally fine. I think like right now, I'm I'm starting a lot of really new things in my life and, and work and things like that. And so there's just this idea of like, I'm not good at it yet. Like I just keep repeating that over and over again. And that's something he talks about in the book where it's like, hey, don't lie to yourself and be like, I am amazing at this. Toss, toss. But just like tell yourself, hey, I'm not great at this yet, but I'm going to be. And so today's just another step in that. So that, like, honestly, that's hit me every single time. But like this time, it's like really like real close to home. I love that. So let's talk about a place called Braverly. But before we talk about that, I want to kind of hear about your journey and like what led you to write a book? 
Yeah. No, it's so good. I love talking about this. So I have always wanted to be a writer. Literally, since I was like in the third grade, I had a teacher that encouraged me in writing. And I I mean, it's probably one of the like really silly stories it's like my dog is yellow, my, you know, like those like kid stories. And but my teacher just saw something in me and encouraged that in me. And so I have always wanted to write. And as I've grown up and especially grown in my faith, I've wanted to figure out how can I use writing and ministry as well? Because I, I know that there is there's power in story and telling story well. And there's just power in communicating through writing, like what God has done. And so I've always wanted to figure out how to use writing and ministry. And so it's kind of led me on this path of like, I worked at a church for a couple of years. I've done a lot of like odd things with this writing and the gift of it. But it was, it was in 2018, one of my dear friends, she actually was living and working in Thailand. And I just was trying to, again, just ask the father, like, how can I use writing and ministry? How can I do this? And I had this quote unquote random thought, like, hey, I wonder if my friend out in Thailand, I wonder if they like need a writer. And at the same time, unbeknownst to me until later, God had given her this same idea of a book and a, of something that they could use in ministry in Thailand. And so I remember we hopped on a call and I was like, Christy, super funny. Like, what did you guys need a writer? And she was like, Kate, we actually have a writing project and we actually want you to come out and be that writer for this project. And so I moved to Thailand to write this book and to do this actually with my friend, Christy. She's a co-author on my book. But really, like the whole journey of it is truly just surrendering it to the Lord and just saying like, God, I want to use this gift you've given me and I have no idea how. And I truly think that like this book that we've written and the, yeah, the heart and soul we put into it is just, it's just another step in the journey. I think that God's going to use a lot more, like he does in all of our lives. He's going to use gifts and talents until the day we die, as long as we keep surrendering it to him. And so, so like I said, I moved out to Thailand in in 2018 and, and Christy and I wrote our book, A Place Called Braverly. It was actually published in 2022. So four years after I moved out there, it was published in the States. Super exciting. But it is a long labor of love, for sure. Um, in that long labor of love, what have you learned in the process of like writing a book? Because yeah. that's a big oh. commitment, not just to write a book, but to also like you moved out of the country to write this yeah. book. Totally. Oh, my gosh. I learned so much through this book, through writing it. So. I mean, I went to school for writing, but I mean, like most things in life, nothing like is a better teacher than that life experience. So I think the two things that I really learned from writing is just writing is incredibly vulnerable. <laughs> like our book is, we, we talk about, we talk through scripture and we talk through stories in the Bible, but we also use our own personal stories. So writing like that is really vulnerable, but it's, it's so worth it because I think that people can actually connect with you more when you actually open up your heart, open up your your story to them. And so I embrace that vulnerability. I try to at least. The other thing that I learned is like writing is, it just takes a lot of courage. And that kind of goes along with vulnerability. But it just takes a whole lot of courage to say, Holy Spirit, we need you to lead this book. There's billions of books out there. Like the world doesn't need another book unless God's called us to do that thing. 
And so Christy and I would often just go to the Father and be like, okay, Holy Spirit, like you have to show us like what you want in this book. You have to lead this. You have to lead our hearts first. Otherwise, we're just going to be another book on the shelf. And for some people, we probably are just another book on the shelf. But I do think that taking that time, having the courage to sit with the Father is man, something that I learned big time as we wrote this book because that, that's really the first step. So for those who don't know, what is this place called Braverly? So good. Okay, so we have a physical place and then we have like a metaphorical place. Okay. So the physical place is actually... So when I moved to Thailand, I moved to Maysot, which is on the border of Thailand and Burma or Myanmar. And so I moved there to work with Braverly. Braverly is a training center right on the border there. And it consists of a cafe and a sewing center. And they work primarily and actually exclusively with women. And their main mission and their their ministry is to provide a steady income, just stability in the women's lives and, and also training. So they have the sewing center and the cafe and they're training the ladies constantly, not just how to do the thing, not just how to make the most amazing caramel macchiato in town, which is, they totally have the best caramel macchiato in Mesa. But they're also training them on just how to be a good manager and a good leader. And so there's a lot of those skills that they're also training. But they, at the same time, they're doing discipleship with these women. And they're they're calling them to Jesus. And they're walking with them in life. And so that is the physical place called Braverly. Braverly's motto is live brave, dream bravely, and influence bravery. And so it was really out of that motto that we wrote this book, A Place called Braverly. And that place, that metaphorical place, I guess you could say, is this place of just truly living courageously. It's a place of dreaming boldly with the Father. And it's a place that because of our courage, we're inspiring courage in others. And so you've got these two these two places that play off of each other because we watch the ladies do that day after day. We tried to do it day after day. You know, this idea of living courageously, dreaming boldly and influencing courage in others. We're just trying to do it day after day. And so they really, they really played off of each other. And, and so that is Braverly. It is a place and it's an idea. <laughs> so how did your work at Braverly like inform and inspire this book? Yeah, totally. So like I said before, the motto of Braverly is live brave, dream bravely and influence bravery. And that is not grammatically correct. And every editor we ever talked to was very quick to tell us that. It's totally fine. We understand it. That is their motto. And that is really what inspired us to write this book. It inspired the direction of the book and inspired the content of the book. Because at Bray, really, what we're trying to do is, is help these ladies do just that. We're trying to help them live courageously. We're trying to help them dream beyond their today. And we're trying to help them inspire that bravery in their community and their families. And so that is really what what motivated so much of this book. And, and the pages within our book are just they're led by that motto. And so the book just talks about how do we do those things? How do we live courageously, dream boldly, influence bravery in others because of who God is and because of who He says we are? So really, like, bravery inspired so much of the book. And our hope is that the book then pours back into the ladies at Braverly and, and continues to inspire them and, and what they originally inspired us to do. Yeah, that's so good. So how do you see Braverly transforming the lives in the women in Thailand and Chicago where you're located and even beyond that? Yeah. Oh, 
so it's so exciting. So like in Thailand, we have seen the ladies just step up and own that mantle of courage. Because where, where we're at in Thailand is very much like a, you live for the day. Like you live for today, you get you go to the market and you buy what you can afford today. You don't really dream for tomorrow. You just do today. And so we've seen Braverly, we've seen the message of the book start to transform the ladies' lives. There's one lady in particular that I, that I can just immediately think of off the top of my head. And she has transformed from... You know, coming into Bravely when Bravely first started in 2015, she was one of the first employees. And when she came, she was super timid. She wasn't really owning her gift. She had some ideas and dreams about what she wanted for the future, but she didn't really know like how to make that happen and didn't really think it could. And over the last, oh my gosh, was it like eight years now since the start in 2015, she has transformed literally from like this like timid woman to like, just a fierce mom and now like the manager of our sewing center. She like runs the whole thing. She is designing products that's getting sold in the US and and is being designed for other companies and being sold for other companies. She's designing that and she's leading the other women in the sewing center. And so we've seen just that courage and the the courage that it takes to step into gifts that we have. We've seen her just find the courage to lead others. We've seen her find the courage to dream for something bigger than today. And that's changed, changed from her life. And, and even here in Chicago, where I'm living and actually just recently wrapped up this work, but before I was, I was working at a ministry here in the city. It's called Devon Oasis Ministry. And, and in this ministry, I, I led a sewing group, which is hilarious because I don't know how to sew. But it was a, I worked with these, I worked with a lot of refugees and immigrants in the city. And so many of the women just needed community and they needed a place to go that was just for women, by women, um, where they could maybe use gifts that they had, but also they could learn something new. And so even at that sewing group, like I watched women step into their gifts, their talent. I watched them, I watched one lady come in and she, she always asked me how to do projects, which I was like, lady, I don't know. Like I, I sewed like the head of a shirt closed. Like I don't know what I'm doing. So she would come in and ask me what to do. And then after a couple of months, after her trying and failing, but trying again and just choosing courage every day, like she was teaching other ladies that came in. Like I just, I see, I see this courage. I see the way that transforms our lives if we have the willingness to step into it. And just even beyond Thailand and Chicago, this idea of courage and bravery truly does have the power to, to change our world for the better if we have the courage to step into it and just say yes. So what I'm hearing you say and a lot of that is like you really leaned into the father in that 100%. a lot. So why is it important to discover or even rediscover for those who might have like walked away the father's heart? Yeah, oh, that's so good. I'm like so passionate about this because I have experienced it in my own life. Like, so I, I can think of a time in Thailand actually, and I I've been walking with the Lord since I was just a little kid. Like, we all have our like ups and downs and struggles in our faith, but like I've been walking with Him for a long time. And I think for those of us who have been in the faith for a long time and maybe like grew up in a lot of church and a lot of religion, like. 
man, there's something really important about rediscovering the father's heart. I remember this time in Thailand, I was sitting in a, a cafe, just kind of in the thick of this writing, in the thick of just being like, Holy Spirit, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I need you to lead me in this. I need you to lead my heart first because I am so broken. And you want me to say what to people? Like, who am I to say something? And I remember sitting in this cafe, just completely like wrecked by actually the story of the prodigal son. And it was, it's a story I'd heard a thousand times before. I was so wrecked by it. And I remember in that moment, I remember thinking like, I need to ask God what he calls me. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, father, like, who do you say I am? And I remember he was like, you are my beloved. Like it wasn't like audible voice, right? Like in the, in the cafe, but like I knew in my heart of hearts, so like God had said, you are my beloved. And like, that's not a voice I had heard before. <laughs> it wasn't like a, a moment that I ever experienced with the father before. And I think that it, it really did kind of change the trajectory of my own heart when it came to how I related with the father. And I think that we need that in our, our walk with him. We need moments that cause us to pause and maybe shake us up a little bit and redirect us because where we were headed wasn't the right way, even if it seemed like it was the right way, because it wasn't taking us closer to his heart. And so I think as followers of Jesus, or if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's, that's okay. Like, man, as as we pursue faith, as we pursue something bigger than ourselves, like I think that we just have to ask God, like, who are you? And who do you say I am? Because I think as we discover his heart, like that changes everything. Like that, that has the power to, um, to to bring us closer to him and to closer to truth and has the power to impact other people as well. I think it's so important what you said, like as Christians who have been Christians for a long time, like I think I accepted Jesus when I was like five. We have a little bit of a disadvantage. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of get stuck in this like mundane going through the motions, even in that religion, I'll say like it's, we kind of treat it like a religion instead of a relationship. And so I completely agree with you that it's so important to rediscover the heart of the father and to stop and say, okay, five years ago, you might've thought I was this Lord, but who Mm -hmm. do you say I am today? Yeah. That's so good. So good. So what have you seen as the biggest barriers to live brave, dreaming bravely and influencing bravery? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. There are like, two of the biggest barriers. And I mean, I've seen it in my own life. And then I see it in other people too. But the two things, our comfort zones are like these sneaky, sneaky things that we like don't even recognize sometimes. But they're one of the biggest barriers to actually choosing courage. And then I think the other thing is just our insecurities. Our comfort zones, we like, I, I in my mind, like, when I am not in a really healthy spot, like I like to pad my comfort zone. So it feels even like even better than before. So like if, if I, I'm an introvert at the end of the day. And so to actually go out to be with people, like I don't enjoy it. Like I do. And it doesn't, but it doesn't fill me up. Right. And so if I'm not in a healthy spot, like I can fill that comfort zone even fuller and I can, I can just isolate myself even more. And when I, when I do that, like it is nearly impossible to get out. It is nearly impossible to choose courage um, because it's almost like 
the courageous thing at that point is just stepping outside of my apartment. And maybe that is a courageous thing. But like, for me, that's I'm pretty unhealthy at that point, if that's what feels courageous. And I think that it all comes back to these little decisions about like, what, where's my comfort zone today? And am I choosing to step out of it? Or am I choosing to kind of like, bury myself deeper and deeper in it and like kind of build up like, I'm just imagining like, like kids building forts with these like pillows. <laughs> and you guys can build up these like pillows all around you. So you're already in your comfort zone. But then you're like, if I bump it, it's just a pillow. It's totally fine. And so I think like, that's something we really have to be on guard for in our faith and then, and just this idea of choosing courage. And I think the other thing is just our insecurity. I can't tell you how many times I have chosen, uh, I've made a decision that hasn't been courageous because of my own insecurities and the own thoughts that just hold me in like, hey, you're not good enough. Like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. Like, they're going to think you're a fool. Like, the amount of times those voices are just so loud. And, and they hold me back and hold us back. And like, imagine like the steps we could take if we turn down those voices of insecurity and replace those with truth. I think that those two things are some of the biggest barriers that are not, they're not insurmountable, but they do, they come every single day. I think as introverts, and I mean, I don't know, I'm an introvert too. So maybe extroverts experience this too. But like as an introvert, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't really want to do that because I'm an introvert. And that's like leaning into that comfortability of like, do I have to go people today? Or can I just like sit in my bed and read a book? Like what's comfortable or what's, you know, like what's stretching. And for me, like I know my limits. I know that for every big event, I'm going to need a couple hours to like decompress. And so I think there's a balance between like knowing your comfortability and also like stretching yourself. Cause if you lean too 100%. far into the stretching yourself, you're gonna, you're gonna burn yourself out. Yeah. But if you're gonna, totally. if you lean into like too far into the comfortability side, like you're going to spiral out of control, at least for me. Yeah. No. I totally get it. And I think that like, there's truth in that. Cause I, there's even moments where I'm like, I'm in Enneagram nine. Like I don't, I don't do this cause this is my personality. And so like, I think what you're saying is so true that there's moments that we need to like recognize, have the self-awareness to realize when is this actually like a healthy boundary that I'm putting up? And when is this just like fear, like rearing its head again and trying to like hold me in a spot. Like Jesus never called me here. He called me to that spot where fear is, but it's pressing against everything inside of me because it goes against my personality and like all this stuff. And so I think that in those moments, it takes self-awareness, but it also takes just leaning to the Holy Spirit and just being like, hey, have you called me there? Because if so, like, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll like step out in that. But if not, I need to know because I maybe need a healthy boundary. <laughs> and that's okay too. <laughs> Literally how this podcast got started. I was like, okay, God, if you are going to make this happen, like you need to make this happen. And speaking of Enneagrams, I've taken the test a couple times and it shocks me, but it says I'm an eight. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm an eight, but okay. Like I, I, okay. I don't know. I'll have to retake it. Again. <laughs> But you've already taken it multiple times. Yeah, I know. But I just like, I guess maybe I am. <laughs> I'll just, you know, I'll accept that I'm a leader. And that there you go. Yep. I'll, it, it I'll take it like, on like a boss. 
poor Enneagram eights get such a bad rap because they're challengers, right? And like our world doesn't love challengers, but like there's also leadership, what you just said. And like I'm a nine. I need a challenger because I'm just like, I don't care, I'll go with the flow, whatever keeps the peace. So are you a nine I need an eight one? In my yeah, hundred percent. And then okay. when I'm real feisty, I guess I would go to an eight, but most of the time I'm a one. See, and that's what I think I am is like I feel like I'm more like a nine, like that peacekeeper, than I am at eight. But when I'm at like I guess I would say when I'm at my absolute healthiest, I lean towards that eight. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you might be an eight. You might. Oh shoot. I don't know. I don't like the reputation the eight. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. But hey, listen, you're going to change that reputation. Yes. This is your time. I accept that. What does it look like to dream bravely with a father? I love this idea because I think that like our brave dreams, they, they can do so much in the world and they don't have to be huge. I think that's where like dreaming with the father can sometimes like we can take the idea that our world loves to talk about like dream big, like yeah, sure. You can dream big. But I think what's more important is that these dreams are being led by the father. And so for me, when I am like in a season of dreaming with the father, like it starts first with like just sitting with him and, and being with him, listening to him, getting the word and just having my, my heart and my spirit just with him. I think it always, always starts there. There's, I mean, there's anything in life really worth pursuing, like starts there. And then I think one of the other things when it comes to like dreaming with the father, there's this question that God asked Moses in Exodus 30, pretty sure. Where you, when you know the whole like Moses and the burning bush and all of that, and God calls him to go to Pharaoh and Moses spouts out like a million excuses. And finally, God just asks him like, Moses, what's that in your hand? And so I think as we think about dreaming with the father, I think that that question is so important because I think that God always gives us what we need. And a lot of times he's already given it to us. There's sometimes that I think that God, like he gives us a dream. And then as we go, he equips us with the things we need, or maybe he gives us something like small already in our hand, but then we need something big in our hands to like accomplish it. And he gives it to us as we go. But I think that so often when we are dreaming with the father, if we would just look in our hands, look at the gifts and the talents and the, the resources that he's placed there, that's a really good place to start as we're dreaming with him. And just asking God, like, what moves your heart? And how can I use these gifts and these abilities and talents to help further your kingdom? I mean, honestly, like that's that's what I am trying to do with writing. And it's like something so simple. Like most people hate writing. Like I was the total nerd that loved writing essays in college and in high school. And like, I'm okay. I can admit that. Like, I know that that's not something people love to do. And it's, it's something that feels really small, but it's what I've got. So like, okay, father, I have this, this gift of writing, this love of writing. So like, what do you want to do with it? What are the things that move your heart and how can I use this gift to help build your kingdom? And I think that that's where like true dreaming with the father starts. It starts from there and it can snowball from there. So just like, even for me personally, like, that's been a question that I've been asking the father recently. And and he's moved me into this really exciting venture of working with nonprofits actually in the US and overseas and helping them do writing because they a lot of them just need help. So like one of the things that I'm doing right now is like using this gift of writing to serve these nonprofits that are doing kingdom work. 
I'm like, eh, that's it. Like it didn't, it didn't have to be this crazy thing, but here's what was in my hand. And like, here's things that move God's heart. So let's, let's bring it together and see what happens. I think that at the end of the day, that's what dream with the father looks like. I love that. So why is communion so important when we think about bravery? Oh, so good. It is so important because we borrow and share courage in communion. Christy and I, we went to Kenya actually in April. We actually went in March. And while we were there, we were speaking on the book. We were doing a little bit of teaching um, to a couple of different groups that we were connected with there, which was really amazing. But I was experiencing some of the worst anxiety that I've ever experienced in my life to the point of like not sleeping at night, like heart rate, like, like crazy, crazy high, like all of these anxious thoughts that I honestly haven't dealt with before, but they just like came at me and I was experiencing the worst anxiousness ever. But in that moment, see, like Chrissy was strong and Chrissy was like, she she was courageous. Like she was charging into places that I was holding back on because I just wasn't in a good spot. But so many times on that trip, I looked at her and I was like, okay, she can do it. I can borrow a little bit of courage from her and I'm, I'm going, I'm with you. Like, okay, you, you start, but I'll be right there next to you. And I think that that's the perfect picture of how we borrow and share courage with one another. But we have to be in communion for that. Like we have to be in community with each other. We have to, have let other people see like those things that aren't as fun. Like if I had tried to hide the fact that I wasn't doing well on that trip from Christy, like I couldn't have borrowed that courage from her because she wouldn't have had any idea that I was walking through that. And I think that that's so, so important because we're missing an opportunity to step into such true courage if we're not stepping into community with others and letting them see our story and our experiences, even the hard parts. Because I truly believe and I've experienced it myself that some really beautiful things happen and some really courageous things happen when we can do that because we can you know, just riff off each other. And that is amazing. That's the body of Christ. So I think the father sets up a perfect example with us in that like he'll give us what we need for today. Yeah. Like, and nothing more, you know, and then tomorrow he'll give us what we need. Like when we're in relationship with him. And like, he does the same thing with our friends. It's no coincidence when our friend is like, I don't know, I just really feel like you should do this. Or I really feel like you should think about this. Like, those aren't coincidences. Those are the father, Mm -hmm. like, giving them what we need. And so I think that's such a beautiful example that you just gave about just borrowing courage from her. I'm encouraged by that story. And I think our listeners will be too. So how can we practically live with more courage? I think that honestly, like the first thing I would say is just start small. (laughs) Like I think that there's a lot of things that we think about courage. We think about these really big things. And yeah, like hopefully, hopefully there's a big thing that you want to step into and a big courageous thing you want to step into. I hope that you do someday. More than that, I hope that tomorrow you wake up and you choose to just do one thing, like one small thing that takes a step towards that. Because Christy and I didn't just wake up one day and have the book finished. We took day after day after day writing word after word, a ton, a ton of small steps that eventually got us to a book. (laughs) And that's the case for all of us. Like 
there's really not a lot of examples in our lives that are like, and I woke up one day and I had run a marathon or like I woke up one day and like I was an influencer, whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's all of these like small things. So I think that honestly just taking a small step, like for me, even a courageous thing would be to like talk to a stranger at church. Like it probably sounds so silly, but like for Introverts me, unite. that is... Yes. And, and our church has the longest greet time I've ever been a part of. <laughs> An introvert's nightmare. But I like one of the things I could do is just talk to somebody new. And it's not going to change the world. And it's probably not going to change that person. But it's going to do something inside of me that the next time a scary thing comes up or like something that's out of my comfort zone, it's not going to feel as challenging because I took that other really small step. I think that our lives and the change that we see happens in these 1% changes. James Clear, I think, is his name. He talks about that in Atomic Habits in his book. It was just like 1% changes. That's not an idea of mine. I had to give him credit. Because I think that that's so important for us. We think about living with courage, dreaming bravely. Like, yeah, dream big and like dream bigger things than you can do and, and watch the Father make those things happen. But I think on that journey, you're going to find that you're going to need to take a lot of small steps to get there. So today, just one step. And I think the other thing that I'd say is just start by being with the Father. Like, I think that a lot of times when we think about courage, we're thinking about going and doing, but we're not thinking about the times we need to just sit and be and be with the Father. We don't start at that spot. All of our doing is going to be really shallow. It's going to be just for ourselves, really, not really in relationship with him. And so I mean, the two things, start small and then start with the father. So good. So where can we find your book? You can find it wherever books are sold online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We also have a website, a place called Braverly. And on our website, actually, you can download a free ebook of a place called Braverly. So if you want to just check it out as an ebook, and then if you never want to buy it, that's totally fine. But if you want to buy a hard copy, we have those too. So you can head to our website or like I said, wherever books are sold online. I love that. So we've talked about a lot of like topics outside of just your book. So do you have any other books, resources, Instagram accounts, anything that would be helpful and related to the topics that we've talked about? I will say this was such an interesting question for me to think about it because it took me back to like the journey that we had just even writing the book. And if I were to make a plug for just one of them, I would say Jonathan David and Melissa Helzer. They are songwriters. They are, I mean, they're just amazing people and they have a podcast. I don't remember what it's called. I think it's literally just called Jonathan David and Melissa Helzer. That's always what I search and I always get it. But their podcast was so influential for us as we wrote the book. And as just even in my own life, as I was on this journey with the father writing the book, they have some of the best content out there. So I was just a huge plug for them. Well, we'll link it in the show notes for our listeners. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you want to say before we close out? Man, I don't think so. This has just been a really fun conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we love to end our episode with rapid fire questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm born ready. All right. So what is your go-to coffee order? Go-to coffee order is, if I'm at Starbucks, come macchiato, one pump of syrup though. I'm not a sugar girl. Dig it. What is the last thing you watched on TV? 
Um, I'm really into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I used to think it was a stupid show and now I love it. So <laughs> shout out to my friend who always wanted me to get into the show and I never would until now. <laughs> I love that. If someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying to think about a good answer for this one for days. And I think I think I would settle for Forget the Popular Kids. That, that'd be the title because I wasn't a popular kid. So just forget them. It's fine. You and me both, girlfriend. If our guests want to follow you, where can they find you? Yes. Yeah, so I am on Instagram at Kate Berkey. And then I'm on Facebook as well. Honestly, I'm pretty sure my grandma follows me there, but you can find me. And then I, my co-author and I actually have a YouTube podcast series. You can find me on YouTube at Kate Berkey. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. I have loved having you. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. I love it. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Our podcasts are edited by Nick Berkey. If you have a story you want to share, please reach out through the forum on Instagram. I pray that you can take action this week and make a splash. 